an aggressive line in your head from a haircut, so I'm like, yeah, you look like you have some issues going on on the side there. I, You know what happened to me is that I cut my own hair as I normally do, and it was fine. <laughs> and then Ron comes along and says, oh, you cut your hair this morning? And I said, yes. Why? And he was looking at the back of my head, and he said, well, you know, it's a little crooked in the back. You know, it's up and down back there, your fade. And I said, okay. And he said, do you want me to fix it? And I said, I, I guess. I said, Dad, you know, I cut my own hair quite often, and it's always a little fucked up in the back, but luckily my hair grows quickly, and I don't really give a shit. And he was like, no, come on, <laughs> let me fix it. So Ron went downstairs, and he played around in the back a little bit, and it felt like he was going too high up oh. in the back. <laughs> so the back of my head is sort of shorter than the sides right now but i had to go back in and reconnect oh God. the sides to where where it was uh fucked around with so oh the boy. line is extra aggressive because uh, there is no more number two if that makes sense for yeah for people like listening yeah when you cut your hair the uh clippers are arranged by size and they're all numbered normally i go one two three so you get a nice gradient fade but right now i'm going from one two three so yeah, it's it a, looks very wild. It's I, a little it's, aggressive. I look like a monster, I would say. Yeah, it's a little Eddie Monster in that kind of way. Yeah, it's a little like, uh, it's like, like a nineteen fifties mobster, but like you know when they like Dick Tracy villain is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, I would agree it's, with you. It's in that kind of category of, <gasps> like it's like it's as if you like cut your own bangs. The male equivalent of of bangs is side of head. Yeah, I mean, the male equivalent of cutting your own bangs is cutting your own hair and refusing steadfastly to ever go to a barber in your life. No, no, no. The male equivalent of getting bangs is mustache. That's how you know someone's in a crisis. I think a that might be will, specifically... Will a, well, okay, fine. Fair enough. I was going to say that might be specifically a gay thing, but you make a compelling case. I, I, I buy it. Yeah, straight men in crisis do a mustache or... They try to do a beard, even though they can't. Or they do like a, a chin strap situation, like a, a goatee. Oh, buddy, let me tell the you. The goatee is also like a oof. The chin strap situation out here is out of control. I would say most men between the ages of 18 and 50 have the chin strap. Ew, All why? Of them. That might just be an There's east no... side of Cleveland thing, but... But but why? No one looks good like that. Like what? What? <sighs> For some reason, the fashion trends of two thousand two and three are eternal here. Yeah, I. That's true. Women I, I stay be like... wearing boot cut jeans for some reason. Yeah. Men still have I... chin straps. They still wear square toed dress shoes. I can't wrap my head around it. And and why that particular year? Was it because it was still the end of history and there's nostalgia for it? I wonder. I think uh, it's the la it's the last thing that was kind of comfortably trendy enough for a lot of people who are now in their like middle age, middle to golden ages, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm on trend," because that's what they remember is like being youthful, or like what their kids did as a trendy thing, and then they just lost track, and they're like, "I got stuck here." Yeah, I mean, I think that happens to everybody with age. Uh, but that only explains the middle-aged people, first of all. That doesn't explain the younger yeah. people that are doing this as well, because they they exist. 
Yeah. Younger people do this? Why? What? How? Yeah, no. I don't know. That's that's what I'm trying to get at here. Is I I don't know why they're doing it, and I don't know why that particular year has so much resonance. Because to me, I mean, think about the early 2000s. To me, the most forgettable years were probably 2002 to 2004. 2001, it's obvious why that's huge. Same with the year 2000. That's a big, uh, you know, it's the millennial shift. Uh, 2004, you start to have the war in Iraq really gear up. And before you know it, the financial crisis comes. But that little interregnum there between 9-11 and other major events, who knows? Who knows what happened in 2003? I don't know. Can you name me one significant event from O two or O three? No. no. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, no, absolutely Oof, that's depressing. That's really bad. And yet that's a bad thing to admit. But alas. I was also like seventeen, sixteen, seventeen. You don't give a shit about the world. You're like, I'm learning how to drive. Yeah. Like the narcissism level is extra high when you're like sixteen. I agree, but at the same time, I, look, I agree that you don't necessarily put a lot of import on like historical events or the political events of, of the day, but it is the prime of your life. You know, you would think that between the ages of 16 and 17, you would remember some milestones. I suppose, you know, in my case, I guess I remember personal ones like fingering or whatever, but I don't remember. What? Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I don't remember anything world historical. No, because I didn't. We didn't also didn't have like internet in pocket yet, so I like couldn't tell you anything that was going on. We had phone in pocket, but not internet in pocket. And I had the dialogue, so I wasn't getting any goddamn news. Period. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people still had dial up back in those days. Those were the yeah. days of putting on a uh, kazaa. And letting you, uh, letting your downloads go overnight, one song at a time to get an entire album. What's a Kazaa? Uh, it was the follow-up to Napster. When Napster got oh. sued by the guy from Metallica and you were no longer able to pirate off of it, oh, Kazaa right, right, came right, along. Right, 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 right. Also, LimeWire was a popular one. You might remember LimeWire. You know, I don't, I don't know how to use the illegal download process. It's really, it, it doesn't work for me. I've never gotten it to work. Hmm. It's too hard. I don't know. Yeah, you always have to be to be a peer-to-peer -peer pirate. You always have to be slightly on the cutting edge of culture, of internet culture, that is. Yeah, no. But see, back it's, then... It's too hard. Back then, that was when uh, torrenting was above board. You didn't even have to try to hide it in any way. You weren't going to get a cease and desist from Paramount Pictures back then. It might have. Well, I mean, I guess that's what happened have. with the guy with with Metallica and Napster. But once they shut down Napster, all these other ones, they kept going for years and years and years. I used Kazaa up until, man, probably pretty close to when we were in grad school. I know I used it in undergrad. Hmm. So it was around a while. Interesting. I, no, I, I for some reason have uTorrent on my computer and I not haven't used it but once. Allegedly I, I you have it and allegedly you've used it. Yeah, Let's I tried using that. it, and I was like, too hard, too hard. Not, Don't understand it. And now it just doesn't update. So I'm like, well, you're never getting used. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, so. know, I don't know. I, I feel like um, I'm aping a thing from Red Scare, kind of. But I feel like torrenting is only for straight men. Women and gays just have a straight man friend that does this for them. Yeah, I can't do <laughs> I can't do it. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> mm. For the for the for the reader at home, my hands have gone 
limp. Um, yeah, I can't do it. It's too hard. I no, no. I mean, I got the photo allegedly got the photo uh, non genuine Photoshop. Um, but I just turned off my Wi-Fi now and it just doesn't stop. So that's great. Um, so Adobe, if you're listening, fuck you. Um, and that's all. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I allegedly couldn't get my back of the truck version of Photoshop to work anymore. And after all these years, they finally did it. Adobe finally did it. I'm fucking paying for it on the cloud. Why? Because I can't live without the goddamn program. And they were running a special for a minute where you can get Lightroom and Photoshop for 20 bucks a month. A month forever. I know. But look, if I can ever, you know, if I can ever get it to fall off the back of a truck again, I'm obviously going to do that. But they seem to have figured that out completely. It doesn't matter what you try to do anymore. There's no yeah. You just turn off the Wi-Fi. No, it it does. That doesn't always that doesn't always work. That doesn't work on on my computer. It doesn't work on new operating systems. I mean, the biggest problem is that there's only one version of Photoshop that works with the uh, operating system I have. I can't use old ones anymore. Oh. So never update. That's that's what you'll. That's that's the price. Shitty. Yeah, they lock you in. Very shitty. Can where's the antitrust lawsuit on Adobe? Can I have that? Fuck Facebook. I don't give a shit. Let let the alien man have his his things. I need Adobe to be uh, busted. That's what I need. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess nobody's interested enough in Photoshop and Illustrator to break up that monopoly. Although it is a pretty comprehensive one. There are real. There is no real competition to the Creative Suite. No, I mean, well, what's the uh, not Dreamcast, Dreamweaver? <laughs> I mean, like, how many designer people use that, or uh, the the letter one? Uh, you know. Speaking of piracy, I mean, Dreamcast ruled for that reason. One of the reasons that system failed, or I would say the reason that system failed, was that you could simply burn the yeah. games. Um, well, it was also ugly. It was an ugly little box. All the box ones, trash. Well, trash you know, garbage. nobody cares what the console itself looks like, but Dreamcast had a groundbreaking controller. It was ugly for the time, but ultimately that's what Xbox controllers are. Think about but it. But why did it have that empty thing in it? I think that was like a little screen. I can't remember. Like you could put some kind of card into the Dreamcast controller and then you'd have a like a menu screen on your controller instead of on the TV. I don't know what purpose huh. that served. That's weird. That was just back in the era it, like empty. Say again, sorry. I always remember seeing like the handles like at a like uh like in the demo display things at like a toy store or like a department store. And it was always like, here you go. And then the middle was always empty. And I was like, is it broken? It seems broken. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was one of those things that not every game used. So I'm not so really it was like an amiibo situation. Yeah. Okay. They Stupid. were just trying Stupid things idea. out. They were just trying things out back then. They didn't know yet. Uh, well, Anyway, are we going to start the show, or are we going to talk about uh, Adobe products (laughs) and uh, Dreamcast? Catching. Um, Sure. Oh, I guess this is green and loose. 13 minutes in. Good. Great. Under under 20, it's fine. If it's under 20, (laughs) it's totally okay. It's allowable. We allow it. Um, God, I had... My brain has been so mushy because it is, um, you know, the city had to shut down because snow... Um, 
it wasn't even that bad. Um, so my brain's very mushy. I'm like, I've just been hibernating all day. So I was like, I had things to, I had topics and now I've fully forgotten. <laughs> oh, great. That's fantastic. You Oops. know, I did, I did already tell you that I've, that I've had a very hectic week and that I've been very busy. So I, I was hoping that you'd come in ready and rare and to go like you did last time. I felt like last episode was yeah, really what easy. Was your, for me. What, what is the scheduling? Uh, what is your, what is your schedule? Well, it's not interesting conversation for the podcast, but I guess we got nothing else to do. So, uh, you know, no, my schedule, my schedule is really hectic this week because I'm um, working two freelance jobs at the same time that overlap multiple days. And for whatever reason, nobody around here can schedule things in advance to save their goddamn life. So I have like very vague time periods that then get filled in 24 hours before I'm due where I'm due. Um, so I'm not able to like completely, it's really frustrating to be honest with you. Cause I can't completely discern my schedule yet. I know that there are things in the next 72 hours that I have to do to me. That's the most frustrating situation of all time. It's like, please just tell me when and where, and I'll be there. And mentally I don't have to, you know, I can check out of it until I need to get there, but don't tell me, Hey, I'll let you know. And then call me back and say, Hey, I'll let you know in a couple of days. And then call me back and say, Hey, can you be there tomorrow? That is like so you're, the worst, most you're like stressful. On call. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah, but I'm that, not quite on call either because it's not presented that way. You know, I am de facto on call, but I'm not exactly. So there's that. And there's also, uh, Ron just left yesterday to go to Las Vegas, and I'm leaving to go to Las Vegas next week. So I've been taking oh. care of him trying to leave, taking him to the airport and stuff, and you know, helping him get arrangements ready. And mm-hmm. I have to make my own arrangements to leave as soon as I'm done working. So I just I'm juggling a lot of balls. I don't know when I'm going to be home every night. I don't know when I'm leaving in the morning. It's a mess. Ew. Um. I mean, it's the end of the week now, so there's only one more day of this, and I basically know what that day looks like, so yeah, I guess yeah. it's okay, but it's just been really hard to schedule the podcast for this reason, because, well, I'm supposed to be out at six, but I don't know, and, you know, yeah. I, you, you go through this all the time, I suppose, so it, I'm preaching to the Not choir. on call, but I go, do I have to alter some things? Oh, hmm. Okay, I guess I'll come in a little later. Oh, I guess I got to come in a little early. Okay, fine, whatever. Like, you know, it's handleable. But at least it's like that day, we're working that day. We're off this day. And then even when off, I still get, you know, my phone blows up and I go, "Mm, why? But that's neither here nor there. I mean, we could talk about uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife giving away $4 billion to who? Where? Where's the money? Where's the money, ma'am? To be honest with you, I think talking about scheduling is arguably more interesting than talking about Bezos's wife and you scrolling through your phone. Well, the real well, the real interesting point is that it was a um, so it was an NPR news article or like a Gothamist, whatever the fuck. Um, and I was like, why are we trying to paint billionaire ex-wife as a nice lady? What's the spin there? Are you trying to get some of that four billion dollars of cash, NPR? Like, they're doing a little whitewashing moment? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that this woman probably has a publicist uh, and, like, whole marketing team designed to improve her image. It doesn't really surprise me that this is happening. I mean, look at Bill Gates. He's a rodentine creep for all time, and yet somehow he presents himself as, like, a wise man for our society that's, like, 
about fixing malaria in Africa or whatever. And it's like, bitch, listen, you just stole a bunch of other people's IP and aggregated it together. And now you're a billionaire. Like you don't have any authority about anything. So I think Jeff Bezos, wife is probably trying to do the same thing. And yes, you, to answer your question, NPR is just complicit in that. Sure. All right. So there. Okay. Got it. I mean, I was just looked at it and I was like, well, that's a, that's a that's a fun one. I think I think um, also I want to add this caveat about if we're going to actually do this that people are always do this thing with wives where they're like extra soft on them and want to respect them because they're like everybody just focuses on the white cis het men. So isn't she such a girl boss and isn't this cool? Like, remember the the iconic version of this is Amal Clooney. People would always say, don't oh, call her George Clooney's wife. She's a famous human rights lawyer. And it's like, there's no such thing. Like, yeah, I you mean, know, George Clooney's way more famous than her. She is George Clooney's li- wife. Like, get over it and deal with it. And this bitch is Jeff Bezos's wife. And who cares what she's up to? Ex-wife. It's the ex. The one who was like, give me my money. I'm taking the bag. Oh, right. Thank you so much. Sure. You know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the... I can't wait for the actual like girl boss bash. I can't talk. Girl boss backlash of the like again the, the kind of memification of like, uh, come on like the, come. You know what I'm saying? Wow. With the no, I don't know all. what you're saying because you didn't make any words for like a full minute. I didn't make any words. Am I having a stroke? Yeah. Um, do you smell toast? I, I fully like thought like. Like yesterday, I was like, "Am I having a small stroke? I I smell some burning." And I was like, "No, someone's just got a fire outside." Um, no, like with the Kamala of it all, like there's already the joke of it all of like the memification of like you know, girl boss dictator, and you're like, okay, but like when will that actually hit the rest of culture to be like, yeah, just be? I mean, I guess it happened with the actual like hashtag girl boss, like the uh fashion company owner who got you know kicked down the road wait wait will will can you slow down you 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 are you are throwing do you need to smoke some weed or something you just threw out like <laughs> five or six threads in sentence fragments without fully explaining <laughs> at all what you're talking about i don't follow you at all and but i want to remember... i want to help okay. guide the audience through this so wait a minute i'm going to try and parse this and we're going to take it one issue at a time okay okay um, so Hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on, hold on. wait, stop interrupting. You're going crazy over there and you got to slow down. You got to slow down. Do you remember Nasty Gal, the the company Nasty Gal? Only vaguely. Okay, so she was the she wrote her memoir, Girl Boss. She was the first girl That boss. is where the term came from, you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um and then there was the Netflix one season eight episode television show titled Girl Boss. Girl boss. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Um, that actual girl boss IRL was a terrible, terrible person and ran her business into the shitter. So there is no nasty gal because she abused her employees like a man. Hmm. So we don't want to really lionize a girl boss because it's just, you know, an asshole. An asshole who, you know, swings between the legs or swings upon the chest. Either way, you're just an asshole running a business. Well, I think the term has always been wielded ironically. I know it has by me. I I would assume by most people. I think the only people that use the terminology of girl bossery in earnest are very, very stupid. Well, that was also a period in the 2000s. Remember the Tina Fey memoir, Bossy Pants? Yeah, I do, actually. Every lady wanted to be a boss. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, everyone 
you don't have to be a lady to want to be in charge. Everybody wants to do that, but just don't be an asshole. Well, it's the class. It's the classic mistake, right? Where because there is no real social justice or no real equity in our culture, uh, the only thing you can do is join the hegemonic forces. If you can't beat them, join them. And so people just become an asshole because they say, oh, my boss is an asshole and my boss is a man. All men are assholes. Therefore, the only thing to do is become an asshole to have any power. Right. But why is it hashtag brunch goals to be like an asshole? Like that should not be your like end end game project, you know? Well, I think mo- I, I think a lot of people are aware that that shouldn't be your end game project, but it's the culture of narcissism. You know, there is nothing outside of uh, success by any means necessary. And it's sort of a signifier of your power to be able to put other people down. It's not a very righteous position to be in, but it is a powerful one for better or for worse. I mean, think about, (sighs) think about Amy Klobuchar fucking, you know, throwing her salad at a bitch or, um, forcing people to comb her hair or whatever, you know? I know she threw. A oh wait a minute! I'm getting I'm getting all three hour. things mixed up. She yeah, threw binders at people. Woo! She threw binders at people, and she made someone eat a salad with a comb. That's what it yes. was. Yes. Anyway, because they forgot a fork. Yes. I mean, that's just funny. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That is kind of hilarious. No, you eat it with a fucking comb. Oh, okay. Well, you are hateful. Okay. Um. It's a good bit. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty good bit. Um, but yeah, when is, but when in culture are we going to stop like celebrate, like, I don't want to say like stop celebrating, like, oh my God, she's a woman who can be a war criminal. Like, why can't we just be like, whatever, if you're in power, you're probably an asshole. Like the lionization of anyone who achieves a certain thing. And then it's just the public is fully uncritical because it's a, a symbolic uh, win. It's like, well, they're not winning for you, person doing the celebrating. They're winning for themselves and probably are going to fuck you over. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's an open question as to when this is going to end. But as a matter of perspective, I think you have to keep in mind that the vast majority of people don't even recognize this as an issue. And even if they do on some subconscious level, they are already over it and rejecting it. I mean, that's what the re- huh. reactionary strain of american culture is all about is rejecting things like girl bossery on some visceral level even if someone's never heard that term they have experienced that in their life or they recognize it as a symptom of a liberal culture they despise uh and they reject it in some form or fashion whether that's with their vote or whether that's with their behavior in public um most american people have already moved past this it's only it's only people that are like obsessed with discourse like you and i like uh people that went to college basically that uh give any credence to these ideas or care about them at all i think oh i thought you were going to go a different way with discourse that's why my eyes went what oh no those people are bad oh wait well no and i don't mean that as a slam like i legitimately do care about discourse i I try to track these sort of like trendy uh topical nonsense issues at this point i mostly deal with them ironically i think you do too you sort of look at a certain kind of headline and like chuckle a little bit because it reminds you of amy klobuchar and the good bit of eating a salad with a comb (laughs) 
But uh, a lot of people look at that and they're like, you know what? That is something I aspire to. But both of those camps of people, the uh, irony rejectors and the earnest in- girl boss engagers, um, are just college educated people that are obsessing over stuff that not regular people don't know or care about. And like I, mean, like I said before, if they do register it, they reject it immediately. What do regular people care? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what is re- what it. Uh... What is regular? I don't know. Because I, I find myself doing a lot of very normy things as of late. I don't know if it's the winter, but I'm like, or the, you know, sheer difficulty of doing any sort of engaging cultural activity. Um, that I'm like, you know, I'm going to decorate. I'm going to get, a, you know, a vase and put, get like fresh greenery once a week. Like, I'm like, ah. We're, we're living a best life. Like, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I don't actually, do I care about this? And I'm like, well, I'm a little bit. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, what's your question? Is, like, is that like very normy? Like, what like, defines it, regular? What defines normy? What defines basic? Like, I think, yeah, I think I one of the... I kind of feel like they're moving targets. I think they are moving targets, but I think what's interesting is is what I just sort of sketched right there, which is that there's actually, like, multiple ways of describing this and it depends from what perspective you're looking at it from like um basic is not the same thing as normie right and normie is not the same thing as regular or average Uh, because i would say like where the average person is not a normie you have to be aware that there's something else you can be to be a normie you have to be aware that there's subculture and alternative culture to be normie like i feel like there's a normal per you know we'll use the like this other party that looks at like a live laugh love uh whatchamacallit like a driftwood sculpture and goes hmm, fucking stupid like you know there's that kind of like regular because that's basic they, they they look askance at the basicness of that no no i would okay look i would say i would say that anybody i would describe somebody that has an a live laugh love wood sculpture as being a regular person. That's a normal American. That's an average American person that doesn't look no, at that in any way ironically. Yes, of course. Ugh, of course. I feel is. like a ooh, I feel like a normal person has like, you know, like mass produced like flower clay is their like form of like home decor. Yes, dude. What do you think live laugh love people have other than live laugh love stuff? Are flower clays as decor. But like only that, like no. only just like still lifey looking shit. No, and no, like no. Boats. They have the Maybe still lifey things. They have live, laugh, love frames with their family photos in them. Um, they have a wine glass illustration poster they bought from the back shelf at Marshall's in their kitchen. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The, this the is back all shelf of, of Marshall's a piece. Area. Yes. This is all of a piece. You know, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to move back here was to get in touch with what regular people were fucking up to. And I can tell you right now that as far as I'm concerned, from a Midwestern perspective, look, I can't speak for a regular-ass person from Southern California. That might as well be a different country as far as I'm concerned. But as far as the middle of the country goes, the interior, what you're describing, that sort of aesthetic and interest is regular. That's what it is. And these people don't know about girl bosses. They don't know about being basic. They don't know about being normie. I don't know what they're up to. Because I'm not one of them, and neither are you. 
Like, anybody with a cosmopolitan streak has no access to what's going on in the brain of somebody that watches football and appreciates Live, Laugh, Love. Like, you just don't know. That's true. It's opaque. I, I was going to say, you don't, you don't have, like, a, an insight into your deep field reporting? Um, no, I don't really have an insight into it other than that it's very hard to um, understand the appeal of it. Like, I understand the appeal of it on a holiday, right? Like, Thanksgiving just passed and Christmas is coming up. I get the appeal of having a, uh, you know, an inoffensive sensibility when you're trying to appeal to your family and a certain amount of your friends uh, and just have a nice time. I don't get the appeal of living with it, though. There's something to be said for vacuous artifacts surrounding you um, when you're trying to engage socially because you don't want to be distracted by too many controversial things. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I feel like I'm just uh, for a cosmopolitan person. That is not true because, you know, because let's say you had a nice painting in your house that you bought at an auction. Right. And it's something weird. It's a conversation piece. But guess what? Guess what? Quote, regular people don't want to have a real conversation about something interesting. What they want to talk about is the weather or how they got here or what the score of the game was. That's really it. And I yeah, don't know why. Like, yeah, the the whole idea of a conversation piece is just out the window. There is no, like... It's aggressively well, that, avoided. I think that's a certain bracket, that, like, you know, economic bracket, because there are places, pockets of the Midwest that are very luxe, but those are, like, the kooky people who are, like, you know, will buy a real art or, like, own a fur. You know, like something like real, like something extravagant. They're like kooky people, kooky rich people. Oh, I mean, it, it's it's worth noting that it has nothing to do with geography. There's pockets of cosmopolitanism everywhere at every scale. But yeah, like, what but we're, like what we're trying to suss out here is what are regular people actually thinking about? And the answer is I don't know. I think they're thinking about just as much as anybody else. But they keep it all private for whatever reason. There's a real premium put on ever having any level of intimacy with a stranger. And those strangers include even the people closest to you. You're very guarded. I mean, most importantly, the people immediately around you. You keep that shit to yourself. No, 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 no. Repress it. Come on. Um, That's why, like, you know, the idea of Midwest nice is not actually telling someone that they have like a mustard stain on half of their face even though you're like oh hey how are you yeah did you see the bitch with the mustard stain what the fuck is going on over there what the hell like that's you know yeah but that's that's just a matter of aesthetics what's curious to me the mustard stain is just a matter of aesthetics but what's curious to me is like what what are their emotional lives like because i don't really feel like i can suss out what's going on like nobody talks to each other as far as i can tell yeah i don't know i i'm, I'm afraid will that this Are isn't people... making any sense no no no. I'm, I'm wondering like is do you think it's a sense of contentedness or it's a truly just like you know there's no marching band in the head up up there you know no i don't like... think it's i don't think it's stupidity or empty-headedness and i also don't think it's contentedness i think it's a deep... yeah i don't think it's contentedness either i don't i think i was that... i was having this go ahead I was having this thought the other yesterday because I had like one glass of wine. I was sitting with my, you know, my little 
my December decoration was like, I feel content. Like it was like an actualization where I was like, I'm warm, I'm cozy, the snow is falling, I feel very content. And it was like a realized feeling. I was like, huh, okay, this is what this, and it was like just that, and it just phoned down, just kind of sat with it, and then continued along, you know, continued watching stupid videos on phone. You know, like, it was a very strange little moment of quietude, but an actualized uh, quietude. You know, like, and I yeah. don't get that sense in the Midwest. I don't think, I feel like that that's TV on all the time culture. Yes, it is. So that way you don't have to sit with yourself ever. Correct. I think like what the live, laugh, love, for example, represents is the idea that you can simply purchase contentedness. Like if you surround yourself with enough uh, sentimentality that ultimately signifies nothing, that it won't get in your way and that you can like, buy your way out of whatever anxiety you're feeling but the thing is it doesn't work and then there's also this additional social pressure of not wanting to uh seem too on edge uh because people will think you have quote issues you know so yeah and that will just get you judgment so right um but i actually want to i want to shift gears a little bit here because it's i don't know the the well of talking about like what Midwestern people are up to is just, I'm, I'm never going to be able to figure it out. Well, all Midwestern people are now mad because you don't have Indians anymore. You just have a Cleveland baseball team. So you know what, when uh, they have the, they have the simmering rage. When you texted me that for the listener, by the way, if you haven't heard uh, the Cleveland Indians baseball team will no longer be called the Indians, much like the Washington Redskins. They're jettisoning the uh, colonial name and they're going to figure it out. But when you texted me that, well, I have to be totally honest. I felt mad about it. <laughs> so if you want to talk That's about like, like connecting boom. with the average Midwesterner, I connected with that sensibility for a second. I was like, wait, you're taking a p- piece of my childhood. Like I literally th- like thought <sighs> the Republican talking point out much. loud. Oh, God. You know, I, 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 I saw the thing and was like, huh, good. And then moved along with my day. But I was like, well, why is this in the Times? The fuck? Who cares? And then. Obviously, I don't really care, but it just it just did hit me in a fraction of a second, and I went, fuck, like, that kind of sucks. I mean... Because the thing is, no one's asking them to do this. That's the that's the thing that bothers me. Did, did you know that when the Redskins... People elimin- have been asking for years. No, they're not. For not really. They, they were for decades. No, they're not. Decades. No, they're yes. not. A, a vocal minority are, but when the Redskins eliminated their name, Native Americans were polled about it. Like, hey, do you think that was good? Do you care? And an overwhelming majority of Native Americans that were surveyed said, we don't give a shit if that's the name. Who cares? Which is not it's to say so, that makes it any better. Team. No one cares. Well, yeah. it's not to say that that makes it any better because, like, you know, using Native American names for sports teams is kind of like if the Nazis won World War II and then had a bunch of football teams called the Jews, you know, it's like just as bad as that. We've got the Berlin Ashkenazis versus the Ofterfloffen, uh, you know, I forgot the other one. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> the Dresden Dreidels. That's funny. <laughs> oh, the that Munich Menches. Good... Actually, that sounds great. I think that's like a like a rugby team on the Lower East Side right now. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, not even like. Okay, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> I keep getting lost. You're gonna. You're, this conversation is not gears. making any sense to me. 
you're going to switch gears out of the Midwest oh, mindset. Yeah, I wanted to shift gears and ask you about your moment of contentedness because I think that's very interesting. Um, if I can share a parallel sort of example, uh, today I was working in my friend Dom's studio making furniture with him, and we were doing a thing called finish sanding. So we were sanding all day, but really what that means is that you're nearing the very end of a piece of furniture and you're taking a tiny, tiny piece of sandpaper of a high grit and you're literally going around every crack and crevice and sanding that motherfucker by hand. And to give the listener an idea of how long this takes and like what we're actually working on, we're working on three king-size beds. So imagine sitting there with a piece of sandpaper that's maybe two by two inches and doing an entire king-size bed how long that would take and no. like to what degree of detail you need to be paying attention in order to do that. Mm -mm. The point of the no, story being that uh, we were having a talk and Dom said to me, he said, when I was in school, somebody said to me that the freest man is the man that enjoys sanding because there's a lot of sanding in the studio. Even before this stage, the finishing stage is extra critical and extra time consuming. But, um, and I said, and, and Dom said, you know, I don't think I am that man. Like, I don't agree with that. I don't feel free when I'm sanding. And I said, well, you know, you have to be completely present with it, right? You're completely focused and fixed in on what you're doing. There's no way around it because it's so sensitive to detail. And the tolerances are so small that when you're sanding, there's no way but to be completely present in that moment every moment. Otherwise, you're going to fuck something up. Yeah, And Dom made a really I mean, clever yeah, I, distinction here because I said, no, I think you are kind of free because you're completely present in this moment. And Dom said, you know, no, I think that's being mindful, but I don't think that's being free. And I think that relates in some way to your contentedness moment because you said that you actualized it. You could acknowledge it. You could almost objectify that moment, but then you moved on from it. And I wonder what the difference is between these two three things between being contented being mindful and being free because i think i tend to conflate them normally i mean the sanding thing you know when you're like going ham you're doing some prep work and you're just like you know it's not a two by two for far too long but it is like a you're bridging a lot of senses simultaneously and you are paying attention to detail because you are like kind of going over with you know, the hand touch, the looking at what you're doing, hearing to make sure that you get the right, like, snap of the uh, the sanding, especially if it's, like, the wet sanding. You're like, ooh, mm, we're getting dry. Sploosh. Go back to it. You know, like, and you get to feel the glide. And all of that is all kind of happening. And you are kind of – that. I don't think that's mindful because that is that kind of, like, head-thrown-out moment where you're just, like, I'm doing the thing and I'm just fully engaged. Like, that's that kind of, like – when all the toggles are on and you're not thinking about anything else because you are doing the uh, kinesthetic stuff, that might be what, that's one of those things. Yeah, I would say that that's the mindfulness thing. I think mindfulness kicks in when you're engaged on every level and haptic things or kinesthetic things can be an element of that. Yeah, but there are some people who use the word mindful as like, you know, you know, constantly being, you know, aware of your surrounding and like no one is that person all the time or like you know being mindful of you know every you know butterfly effect of the thing that you do i'm i'm not that no no one's that person if you are you're a psychopath 
Well, I mean, no one can there are that people that are that are that person, and I feel like a friend of the show, Ulrika, is going to be <laughs> displeased <laughs> with our <Whatever>. definitions. <laughs> yeah, probably. But here's the thing. I, like, that's why it's like when you have something like meditation, you're trying to be, trying to achieve mindfulness with no other stimuli, right? Well, no, 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 no. I don't think it's with no other stimuli. I think it's with the acknowledgement that the other stimuli are happening rather than them happening upon you uh, unknowingly. The mindful component is that you're aware that they are happening. It's not that there's nothing. It's not that you're trying to get to an absence of anything. It's that you're able to acknowledge and let pass by the presence of things. Yeah, that's why I don't, I don't, I, don't, I never understood meditation, not for me. Um, but I love a float tank. Don't know what to tell you. I need to have the external stimulation to get me to the zero point. I'm going to put on my know. Morpheus glasses and say, what if I told you that they might be the same thing? Whatever. <laughs> it's just you're talking no. about a method. You know, yeah. I guess that's sort of what we're talking about here in general. Like a, a path to mindfulness, I don't think, has very much to do with um, any one way of achieving it. You can attack it from... Uh, attack that problem from many different vectors and whatever works for you works. So in your case, a float tank works um, because you associate mindfulness with an absence of stimuli and a float tank simulates that pretty well. Yeah. It but works. you can also achieve that. Faster. You can also achieve mindfulness through action. Yeah, no, not for me. Well, I mean, that's Generally, what that's a not for me. Process. That's what sanding a piece of wood or a canvas can be. It doesn't have to be meditation in a lotus position, like doing ohms, you know. Yeah, that's the part. Or like, it's it's not necessarily just the like, you know, the the om of it all. Uh, or it's also like, you know, the people who are like, oh yes, I always make sure I. I feel like there's, well, there's also the monetize mindfulness process, you know, where people are like, it, this is for like in you know, business times, people are like, you have to be mindful. You have to, you know, kind of envision what you're going to do and you're going to get it because you're going to, you know, vision board it in your head. And I'm like, that's not actual mindfulness. That's wishful thinking. Fuck you. Um, well, those people are just talking, those people are just talking about visualization or like manifesting these sort of like Tony Robbins things of like, um, yeah, there's that. That's, imagine that's your, imagine your better future and like, it will come true. Like, that has never worked for me because I'm a defeatist cynic. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but no, you know what? I, I was trying to connect these, to, to circle back a little bit, I was trying to connect these things um, in the first place because I think your moment of contentedness when we were talking about trying uh, about accessing an average person and you were talking about decorating for Christmas and like watching the snow fall and you felt contented. Like, that is not that dissimilar from a form of meditation, and you might have reached a sort of a certain type of state there that can be achieved by other people other ways. Like, I don't enjoy being thoughtful about holidays, whether it's gift-giving or decorating, so it would be very unusual if I were able to access a contented or mindful state through those means. But for you, that makes a lot of sense. You've always been a thoughtful person when it comes to Christmas, especially. It's also, well, it's, it's not necessarily, it's about, it's not about the holiday of it all. It is about when things are in their place. Interesting. Okay. You know, it's, it's the, cause this happens because I do this at 
when I'm working a lot, not in the studio, but like sometimes it works. Um, but at work, work, when things have their place, I go, ah, it is done. And then you get that little hit of like, ooh, content. Um, but it's not that kind of like, it's not a, that's more of a task, a, a, a task achievement unlocked moment where you're like, ah, everything's in its place. Um, but then when you apply it to, you know, your thinking or your surroundings or whatever, you are just like, everything is in its place. I am in my place is the actual sense of contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, I am, I am here where I am. I am here where I am supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of like, that kind of like, you know, you get, you get to take uh, ownership over the camera of your life for like a moment. Right. That's an interesting way to frame that. I find that incredibly elusive. Um, I very, very rarely ever have those moments where I feel like I, I am where I'm supposed to be. In fact, uh, my life is sort of defined by never finding that. I mean, it's, that could be, I don't know. Because that it can, takes a lot of self-knowledge, I think. But that can change. And, like, it doesn't have to be, like, in a particular, like, because I've had this, like, even, like, on a bus or on a train. Where I'm like, hmm. Like, you know, reading a thing or listening to a bus. And I'm like, yes. Like, and there's that little moment of, like, yes, this, uh, yes, I am here. Like, that little moment is very, like, it's fleeting. It's very hard to get. It's nice when it happens, but usually it's so fast that you don't even get the chance to notice it. Right, right. Well, and the noticing is noticing it is what breaks it. It's sort no, of like, no, no. When you notice it, you actually get to sit in it a little longer. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then this is not an experience I'm like, familiar with. Otherwise, you're just like, huh, and then, uh, and then it breaks, and you don't realize what what's going on in your brain. You don't know what the connections are doing. You know the mind body connection gets real, real close and then breaks apart very quickly. And if you get to sit in it, you get to be like, Ooh, Ooh, um, you're, you're sort and then of inevitably it falls apart, but you're sort of describing like a lucid dream state, but waking, like Kinda? suddenly you become aware of, uh, some sort of like meta framework that you weren't aware of before, but it only allows you further access to it. Uh, rather than catapulting you out of it. Well, it's also like a, a moment where you're like, you're realizing that you are making active choices towards something in the best case scenario that you, you know, and maybe this is all, oh, fuck. They are all the same thing. Yeah, I think so. Because what I'm talking about choices that is mindful. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this realization. This one's bad. Well, you know, like it's not easy for hardcore materialists and specifically for defeatist cynics to admit that there is something to this and that you can um, access that in w- multiple ways, you know? Yeah. Everybody huh. tends to think of this as Eastern mysticism or something, and that's just one way. But there are other ways in your life to like achieve kind of transcendent states. I think I would be really good with one of those big, big uh, Zen gardens, like the the big ones, not the little tabletop shits. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. Maybe that would work for me. I don't know if it would work for you, but I feel like again, when things are in their places, you're like, yes. Well, you I know, don't think you get annoyed. Oh, I would, and I, I mean, 
you know, I have a fascination with Japanese aesthetics and culture, big time. I love Japanese movies. I love Japanese painting. Um, so when you're talking about like a Zen garden where you go and comb some rocks, like I would like to think that I would enjoy it, but I know for certain that I wouldn't. Um, I don't have the precision uh, in me. And I don't have the methodical sort of patience necessary to cultivate something like that. Um, it doesn't I, have to be perfect. I, I, I think maybe that might be a roadblock is yeah. wanting the perfection. It's yes. like, because like, ever, even that instance, what I'm talking about yesterday, like, was all my shit just like, I got through the door after tramp, you know, trampling through snow, threw all my shit on the ground and was like, whatever. Um, not everything was it. It's, it was not perfect, but it, you know the difference between perfection and feeling right yeah yeah sometimes perfect perfect is it feels right because if it was any other way it wouldn't be right yeah i have a very difficult time with wabi-sabi i admire the results of wabi-sabi when other people do it uh i think it's a little mm, i don't know i'm not a big fan of that of like yeah everything where it is it's like that i'm not a i'm not down for of like eh, if it happens it happens that's not the same thing wabi sabi is very like eh, we made a mistake fuck it well then tell then tell it, me what the difference is can you like, can you lay out two terms and define them then that's like wabi sabi to me is always appreciating mistakes or cracks and i'm like because eh, i think of the mary heilman of it all where it's like eh, you know it fucking drips all over the place and you're like no, you are just an old lady flinging paint. Like, I don't know. You got these big ass brushes making these little paints. This is going to happen. And you just made it a thing. Um, incidental imperfection that you just are like, oh, I can live with that. That's different than, oh, no. Is that the same? I also kind of think it's the same thing. I think you just Fuck. circled back on yourself. God damn it. <laughs> but like close enough is not like eh, good enough or like feels right is not the same thing as like appreciating mistakes because there are times when you're like especially like for instance in paint in a painting you like eh, i gotta fix some shit and then you're like sometimes you're like i fixed enough of it this is right okay because if you over determine it then it's like oh we're just like fiddling and that's when it all goes awry yeah, well, it's the classic difference between incident and accident. Some drips are accidents, some drips are incidents. Yeah. That's the most simplified version of this. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I always find it incredibly difficult to define which is which, because it's always a question of intention. Mm. But why is why is perfection the thing that you want versus the, the rightness? Uh, because perfection is easier to define. You know, because it's never really um, perfection is an ideal state of things. It's not like an organic procedural thing. So it's easier to keep in your mind. You can you can if I if I say to you right now, uh, picture a perfect cube, you can get a mental image of that much more easily than picture the perfect cube for will. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, because how do you know what that is until you decide to start working on it? This is a perfect cube, and especially if it was full of the thing that it initially had in it and it was new. Um, 
but remember, you know, you're like, on a podcast and you need to describe things. Will's holding up a, a thing that it's holds a bougie his candle box. Um, yeah. You know, if it was full, it'd be a perfect box. Um, yeah, but don't miss the point cube. here. I mean, do you do you take my yeah. meaning? I'm I'm not. I'm not trying to be okay. evasive. What I'm saying is that perfection is easier to conceptualize and perfection or, or rightness is actually really difficult. And you have to just try. And a lot of the times you're going to fail at it. And like, I don't know, you have to be willing to do that. I, I think the idealized form process is like, because when you say like picture a cube, I'm like, okay, boop, like mental image of like, a grayscale cube pops up in my brain. Right. And then, like, what's the perfect will cube? And I'm like, maybe just a different material. Like, a, like a concrete cube is pretty perfect in my brain. Oh, okay, yeah. Like a, you know, a brick, basically. Like, just a slab brick. Sure. Cube. That makes sense, because hard squares and hard... Sure, but I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for making those connections. They seem really simple to you, and you get to something that is sort of right in your mind very quickly. That's really difficult for me. I don't think I have, um, like when I do the cube mental experiment, the ideal cube that's in my brain is not made of anything. What about like? And a as soon as I put it in material terms, it's not a Chris cube. It's just a glass cube or a concrete cube or a uh, felt cube. It doesn't, I, I don't have any intention about that or ownership around that follow-up. Hmm. You don't think of, uh, this is, this is kind of funny. You don't think of like when you imagine like a perfect sphere, like it's kind of like in that squishy, like uh, Bozo the Clown nose material. No, definitely not. That's a very will thing to imagine and say, no. I just like in my brain it's it's a, it's it's red and it's spongy. It's got that spongy squishy. Like I said before, like when okay, I like using geometric shapes. This is a very platonic experiment. Um when I imagine like my perfect sphere in my head, the the only thing that I could tell you that it feels like it looks like is like a is like a CAD model or like a CGI version of a wireframe form yeah however it is not that either neutral version yeah it's just the idea of it Hmm. i I was having a similar conversation with with somebody the other day on the phone it was with trevor actually and we were talking about your internal monologue and i was trying to convey to him that like i don't have a voice in my head that speaks in english my ideas don't come through yeah when I'm having thoughts, it's not in the form of sentences even. It can be verbalized as sentences, but my thoughts don't collect in English. It seems like there's a separate language in my head. What? And then it comes out in the form of words, or I have to make it into words later. Whereas Trevor was saying to me, well, when I think, it just comes across as English sentences. And I thought that was really weird, and he thought my thing was really weird. I mean, coming acro- thinking in full sentences is alarming um that well, but even if it's no sentence sense. fragments or whatever i don't think in english is what i'm saying i don't think in any language thought seems like I, a different language than speaking and i, I think, think the idea know. of of relating something that is perfect versus something that is just right i think the conflict might come from this gap yeah 
there that might be a little bit of the, the gap moment there um i don't know i also just like i have no filter so i just like think think it out loud and like just like hey eh, what the fuck's this okay and then just kind of though they are fragments of like huh yeah it, it is sounds i don't think in words but it is sounds yeah, I oh think God. it's I think again that's a very will thing because you my also verbalize like in terms of sounds 90% of the time. There is a purple muppet that lives in my brain that goes, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah. uh -uh. Like it's not that's sadly not a joke. <laughs> oh. Well, if you were a muppet, you would certainly be purple and you would almost look identical to the way you look now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking grimace like oh oh well god. hey lay off no. the chick-fil-a or you're gonna turn into grimace any second now god okay did you know that grimace um has a relative named king gonga who is king Excuse of me? all the grimaces he's king of the race of grimace there's more than one grimace yes there's an entire there's an entire family of them there's a green grimace that only comes out when the shamrock shakes are delivered <laughs> it's like a bear that comes out of hibernation is like all right it's shamrock shake time i'm awake and i'm here and i guarantee um, you his voice is very similar to that i know it's not <laughs> <great>. <laughs> oh wow you think I... as a muppet and your ability to impersonate them on a dime <laughs> without ever Far having excellent. heard of them before <laughs> yeah uh-huh no i mean it it it's mm. I don't like this episode of realizing stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't like it. Welcome to our new podcast, Realizing Stuff. Oh. Realizing Stuff with Chris and Will. Now I have to like find a purple Muppet and then just change all my avatars everywhere to it. You should do like, you know how Ron Swanson is a pirate for Halloween every year? He says, what do you mm -hmm. mean? This is my Halloween costume. You should just be Grimace every year for Halloween. <laughs> Get a purple robe. And pretty much that could be it. I think that's it. You're just like, yeah. and you're just like purple your head. Yeah, done. Purple um, your head and wear I... a purple robe. You would look almost exactly like Grimace. The The funny thing is no one would get confused. <laughs> I'll just walk around with a sack of McDonald's and just be like, well. Um, well, no, each year you'll just eat more mac and cheese and gain a little bit more of a belly and a little <sighs> bit more of a belly. And then eventually you won't need the robe anymore. It'll just purple your naked body. Ew. No, the the ship for naked Halloween has passed. <laughs> that that's for the twenty year olds of the world. I am not ever going to be that person. Um, no, I think. Okay, so who can make me a puppet? I need I need a Muppet maker, and I need it like yesterday. Uh, I think because that's a piece. I think I need to get this done. Somehow. Oh yeah, I think we have some friends that could definitely like cook that up for you. But I mean, like good. No, no, yeah, you have friends uh, near where you live that are very Halloween-oriented, that have done costumes no, 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 similar no, no, no. to this before. Not, no, I need more than, I need, like, Henson-level little little thing. Well, Will, we were just discussing the difference between perfect and just right. I think you're going to have to settle for something le less than Jim Henson. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I will not. I shan't. I'm going to go dumpster diving you know what broadway's closed i'll break in i don't think avenue q is still a thing i'll just go find one of those and then just like you know frankenstein some parts and make my mini me uh-huh that'll work right hmm. light yeah. burglary probably shouldn't talk about it in, 
on public <laughs> podcasts. But well, you have to dress as the Hamburglar to steal your Grimace costume. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I have plenty of stripes. I can do this. Duh. <laughs> All right, let's end this episode and uh, go to the bathroom and move on to after show, shall we? Very good. An hour three. That's a good one. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. All right. All right, I'm going to go okay, pee and turn people. off my recorder. Do I have to stop this record and then yeah, the, jump it? Just and then do that. It's, it's easier for me to do that. <laughs>